Scripture reading, John 4, 5 through 42. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sakar, near the plot of ground that was given to, this, to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What, have, <clears throat> what you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When He comes, He will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, What do you want or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. 
Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then the disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Ever-equipping God, as I speak, may you increase and I decrease. May the words you have given me for this message be seeds that rest upon our hearts, that we might bear fruit for you here on earth. May I be bold and courageous in speaking what it is you've given me to speak. And may we, as your people, have ears that hear. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus the Christ. All of God's people said, Amen. To be known. What does it mean to be known? It means other people know about you? It means somebody knows your story? If we looked around the room today in our church, I've often wondered in faith communities, do we really know each other? Some of you I know, and some of you I kind of know, and some of you I barely know your name. So I wonder amongst the people of God, do we know each other? And if we don't know each other, why don't we? Why don't we know our faith journeys? You probably know some of my faith journey because I've shared it. But have you shared your faith journey? Are you afraid to share your faith journey? Are you afraid to be known? There's a new show on TV, and I guess it's a couple of seasons old. It's called The Masked Singer. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but these celebrities put on these goofy outfits with goofy masks and just are different things, and they sing, and the judges try to guess who they are, and each week they vote somebody off, and they reveal who was under the mask, and they're, they're always surprised who was under the mask. I wonder if we as people of God would fall right in there in that show. 
and be the masked Christians. Because I'm not sure we as people of God are ready to be known and reveal ourselves. Because somebody might not like us. He was tired. You ever get tired? You ever just got to that spot, could I just sit down? Would the phone just quit ringing? Would you turn off the text messages? Please turn off the blue light of that computer screen. Turn the TV off. Can I just sit down? That's where he was. He was tired. He was actually taking a shortcut through the most dangerous part of his journey, going to where he needed to go. He could have gone around Samaria because Samaria was not a welcome place for the Jews. In fact, they were at odds with each other completely. But he was tired. And he was taking a most direct line to where he was going. And he came to Jacob's well, tired and needing a drink. And he sat down and he waited. One of the most intriguing parts about this whole scripture Jesus sitting and waiting. I don't think you can find anywhere else in the New Testament where Jesus sits and waits. Now, he sits and prays. He kneels and prays. But for him to sit and wait, he waited. How many of us know that God waits? God waits. Now, what did he wait on? Some scholars will say that he waited on her. Some people believe it was a happenstance or just a circumstance. Some people believe it was anointed time. Whatever was going on, Jesus waited. And he had an encounter. He had an encounter with someone nobody in the world would have predicted him to have an encounter with. Give me a drink of water, woman. Kind of a brash statement. Why should I get you a drink of water? We don't even talk. She was just as brash as he was. He wa- she wasn't trying to be his friend. Because you Jews... Y'all don't talk to people like us. You Christians, y'all too high and mighty for people like us. Woman, give me a drink of water. Why should I get you a drink of water? And the conversation ensues so much that they talk about the history of the well and they talk about what it means to draw water. And he talks about a a living water. How many of you visualize what living water is? Living water is the water that comes in and flows out. I have a painting in my office, and it's the Christ. It's it's entitled Living Water. And it's the Christ standing like this in a picture of his heart, and there's water flowing out of his heart. 
That's what living water is versus water that sustains life. And so what we have here is we have Jesus asking her, for what it is do you have to give? Give me yourself. Give me what you have to give. And I will give you living water. And she is just like you and I are. Oh, sorry, I'm a Samaritan. Disqualified. I've been doing this. I've been doing that. I've been thinking this. I've acted like this. I mean, I can be specific. We could go on and on. So I don't qualify. I do not qualify for the love of God because what I've done to deny God in my life isn't overcomable. Overcomable? Isn't, isn't God can't overcome that. And Jesus says, woman, what I can give you is living water. Now, here's what I love about that is he says, what I can give you is living water and it will make you where you are never thirsty again in your whole life. It will sustain you for your whole life. A drink of living water sustains us till all eternity. Well, if you can do that, don't we want the easy fix? If you can do that, give me your water. But you have nothing to draw with. Do you see what she does? He offers her grace and says, I can give you water that will sustain you just like he does to us every day. He sits and waits on us to come and see who he is and encounter him. And we are still pushing back saying, God, that can't be true. God, that can't be real. Give it to me, but I still have to do my way, do things the old way. I still have to do things the old way. I have to draw the water from the well because I don't understand the love of God as living water. And in protection for herself, she goes back to drawing water. But Jesus is too clever for that. Have you ever had an encounter with God and wanted to push that encounter aside? Have you ever been through that? That A friend of mine, he says this, he says, Barry, when we get narrow to a, to a spiritual threshold, we push ourselves back. Because God's trying to take us through a keyhole in our spiritual journey, and we don't like being squished through the keyhole. So what was happening to the lady was God was fixing to transform her, and she felt that. And what do we as people of God do? We push back because we're comfortable. We understand all we're supposed to understand. We get it, God. Yay, Jesus. Just do it. But he won't give up on her. And the next statement is so powerful, we all need to hear it. Go get your husband. Go get your husband. You know what he said right there? Push back all you want, people. Step away if you want, but I know you. I know you. God knows you. 
You can try to fake out God. You can try to mask yourself from God. You can go and you can sequester yourself from God. But God knows you and God will never, ever deny you. Go get your husband. Now we're talking about a lady, and probably in biblical times I'm using that word very loosely because she kind of fit that description. She had five husbands, and the man she was with was not her husband. In fact, one of the guys I heard speak, he said, you know, she was one of those girls that the guys like, but the girls don't. Because usually if there's a girl that the guys like, the girls are jealous, or the girls have names for her. Because she's trying to find herself in a way she doesn't need to be finding herself. She's trying to find love in a way she doesn't need to try to find love because the Creator loves her anyway. Go get your husband. I know you. I know what you've done. I know who you are. I know the greatest things you've done. And I know the very absolute worst things you've done. And we're going to put them on the table right now. Are you ready? Are you ready to take the absolute worst thing you've ever done in your life and confess that to God? Because here's the deal. The confession is just from you. God already knows it. God is willing to meet us wherever we are, whatever lines we have crossed. However we want to segregate or put ourselves away from God, God's already stepped over those lines. And God says, you've forgotten one thing. I am. I am. God revealed God's self to Moses on the mountain and then said, I am. The great I am. The great I am is the one who breathes life into us each and every day and offers us a drink of living water. A drink from a well that's not from a well that can, be, that can run dry. We find ourselves in troubling times in our world, in uncertainty in our world, and a lot of us want to push back, sequester ourselves, and cut ourselves off, and we forget to go to God first. God's got us. God knows us. God wants more than anything than to be in relationship with us. So what happens when God tells you who you are? What happens when you know there is a God that is so big and there is a love that is so true, you can think of your very worst thing that would deny God. And God said, I know you. Here's a drink of living water. Doesn't judge, doesn't condemn, just holds you accountable for who you are and ask you if you're willing to accept who you really are. Jesus waited for this woman so that he could have an encounter to change her life. This woman who is thought on terribly in her community. This one is the one that they all stand around on the street corners and they gossip about. Most of you wouldn't let her in your home. You certainly wouldn't let her around your kids. And you certainly wouldn't let her around your partner or your husband or whomever it is. 
But God says, I know you, I'm waiting on you, let's have this relationship. When I breathe life in you, I intended for you to understand how much you're loved because I have a purpose for you. God doesn't call us from where we are to drink living water so that we can just stay there at the well. God expects us to go and tell. I watched a video of this very text. And when he said to her, go get your husband. Her head was as low as it could get. And she pulled her drape around her head. And he said, that's right. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. And the man you're with now is not your husband. And her eyes got real big and her head lifted up. And she looked at him. And he said, I am he. I am living water. I am the Messiah that you talk about. I am he. I am the one. And it's the most beautiful moment in the whole film. She ran. She ran. She threw back her scarf and she took off running, running back to Sychar so that she could tell people about who was at the well. She ran. Jesus identified her at her deepest, darkest pain in her whole life and offered her living water. And when she decided to drink living water, what did she do? She ran. She ran as fast as she could to tell others. Folks, we're living in tough times. We're living in a time when they don't want us to talk to each other. They don't want us to gather together. They don't want us to celebrate the goodness of God in this world. What we, the people of God, have to do is that understand that God is waiting on us. That we just need to come to God and drink the living water again and again and again and again. And when we do, go tell somebody. Share it with somebody. Remind somebody that God is in control. Humanity is not in control of what's going on in this world. God is. God is in control of our lives and God created us and God wants nothing more than the best for us. Jesus met her at the well, doing her mundane, ordinary things, doing it at the middle of the day when the heat was up because she didn't want to be seen by anybody. And he transformed her in that moment to where the whole community Came running to the well. She ran to them. And she said, you must come. You must come and see. Tell me about the point in your life this week when you have told others they must come and see. Tell me about that point where you witnessed to somebody about how good God is and that God is in control. Tell me about what living water is in your life. We cannot live as people in fear. We must live as people of the great high God. And he loves us and he's called us from where we are. And he wants us to go further than what we expect ourselves to do. Never in her wildest dreams did she think she would be the catalyst that changed Samaria. Who brought the Christ to Samaria? Did the aristocrats? No. Did the teachers up on the mountain in the temple? 
Did they bring the Christ to Samaria? No, a lonely woman who had been married five times and was with a man who wasn't even her husband. A woman that the community calls different names. A woman that the community whispered about, that scoundered, that pushed her to the side. A woman that had to come to the well at noon so she didn't get abused by those who were around. God met her in her lowliest time and he transformed her because he gave her living water. And it's living water that flows from us because we get it from the Most High. And it's living water that we, every one of us, wherever we are, are to share with the world. Have you shared living water? Has your identity been revealed? Do people know that you are a son of the Most High or you are a daughter of the Most High? Do people know that you have received your salvation through Jesus Christ, that the power of the Holy Spirit works in you and that living water flows from you? If they don't, folks, it's time for you to drink again. Drink again of the living water that's offered by Christ. Drink again of the living water that transforms your life. And go into the world and tell what God is doing. Tell what God is doing. Share what it means to have deep faith. To stand in your faith when all the world is panicking. Don't be proud. Don't be arrogant. Be faithful. Be faithful and drink from that deep, deep well that sustains you. There are no powers on this earth that can overcome our God. We're to walk by faith and not by sight. She ran to Samaria and she told them. And they came out. They came out themselves to the well. And they saw for themselves, your witness will bring other people to see who Jesus is. Your witness will bring other people to experience living water. The way you walk in the next few weeks and months will be a witness to who God is in your life. And it will bring others to know God. And not only did they welcome the stranger at their well, the Jewish stranger at their well, they invited that stranger to come and stay with them. Folks, I don't know if you grasp the big, the enormity of that very small act to invite a Jew into a Samaritan village and to offer hospitality. It's a huge act. But her witness changed her whole community one person at a time because she invited people to drink living water. To come and see the man who could tell everything about me. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want everybody telling everybody that I know somebody that knows everything about me. Because there are parts of me I don't want you to know. She was proud. She was excited. She was filled with the Spirit of God. And she knew that no judgment could come from man. That could override the love that comes from God. There is nothing in this world that can keep us from loving one another. There is no disease. There is no prejudice. There is no bias. There is nothing that can keep us from loving one another as long as we find our love in the living Christ. 
and we go forth to change the world. On that very day, her identity was revealed. And she changed the world because she was willing to drink living water for the one who came to change the world. What's your identity? Are you willing to have your identity revealed? If so, drink deep that living water and go and change the world. Amen. Amen.